0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training
1: platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills.
0: There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com
1: slash metaverse impact. The Mike
2: Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And oh, yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike?
1: Thank you, Darlene. Welcome to another edition of the program. Uh, Today I brought on uh, not only my uh, cohort at pure hoops media bruce bernstein who produces everything but also a woman who is uh, has a very good show of her own bucket sports and blacks hi monica McNutt. hey mike uh you i brought you on um because well all truth and uh, i i tried to get um i tried to get everybody and their mom and you were the only person that would do the
2: show and that's not true <laughs> I'm flattered, Mike, that I was even on your list. And you know, I got your back. I'm trying to get you <laughs> to learn that. <laughs> um,
1: um, Monica is, um, I, I've known her for years at Georgetown. We have a lot of years between us. I want to say you're probably 26.
2: 30, but you know, I'll take 20. Are you 30? I am. I, what? Nobody wants to give me 30 wise. I don't know. What's uh, that one-
1: that's great. No, that's great. That's great. You know what they say. Uh, white cracks like graphite. <laughs> um, all right. uh uh, I knew you would laugh, Bruce Bernstein. Welcome to the program again.
0: Don't say how old I am.
1: No, that's okay. That's okay. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> actually, do give me the
0: Monica treatment. Knock a few years off it.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I know you would. You went to school with like Pontius Pilate, right? Um, much, all yeah. right. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Wow. This is a, Bruce is so old that uh, his ears still hurt from the big Bang. I'm kidding you know that um, all right, so the like s- humor off the bat, but what a time in America. I could talk basketball, but it just seems like unless we do it through the filter of what's going on in America, it almost seems like uh it's worthless. um the NBA season is supposed to start july thirty first or restart. I don't know if it's going to. I hope it does. Um, I think it's a nice thing to tell the players. I think we have a long way to go before that actually happens. but I, I really want to talk about um the uh, the young man in and I'm still young compared to me, George Lloyd, who lost his life in um in, in Minneapolis uh, when an officer who was now arrested on third degree murder charges put his um put put his foot on his neck and his knee on his neck, and it was just it wasn't just the imagery but what happened after um you know Monica you're a what I would call a strong black woman this this something like this must hit you I'll I sit home and I and I'm almost in tears something like this must just um eat you inside like I can't even imagine
2: uh yes to say the least I in full honesty have not watched the entire video of George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery uh I do not need to see what I have seen. That's my cousin. Those are my brothers. That's my boyfriend. Like, that's my dad. Um, the weight of it, Mike, I, it's there have been so many talented reporters uh, in the sports space, in the general news space that have put pen to paper this week. Marcus Thompson with The Athletic in particular had mm. a fantastic article um, talking about playing through rage, the, the existence of a Black person, whether you're a reporter, whether you're an athlete, this rage, that's sort of um, inherent. narrative. Karan Phillips did a great piece in Deadspin talking about Coco Goff's reaction um, when Ahmaud Arbery happened. And the last line of his piece was so chilling, um, talking about how we're veterans to this trauma and that Coco was just joining the ranks. Welcome to the world and the reality as a Black person in America. I cannot say that I'm tired to a point of hopelessness because we've got so many more to protect and so much to live for. But the weight is this, this weight is, I can't even quite put words to it. I mean, this is life being snuffed out so carelessly and without Mm. confidence.
1: Yeah. I've um, I feel the same way. I I'm wondering People are saying, what, why, why, why is so much tumult going on? Why is so much civil unrest is going on? I, I think the argument is pretty clear. Nobody listened to anything else. Every, all these things have happened and nobody has really listened. And uh, the Houston Chronicle had a great sports page today. Randy Harvey is the editor, former LA Times guy. Uh, it was just so, it, it, it basically said, this is what happened. You didn't listen to Colin Kaepernick. You tried to make his stance about, you made it a proxy on patriotism. You made it about, um, he hates all police. You made it, you didn't, you you didn't look at it on its face, which was, this guy was worried about the relationship between law enforcement and the black community and special people of color. And, and we couldn't see that. And and the fact that he used that moment to do that, people took it. It all became about the flag. Mm-hmm. And and our president, uh, somebody pray for him because he's the one who called them sons of bitches. He's the one who essentially uh, used this as a proxy on patriotism. And there, if you're a referendum on patriotism, you're not saluting the flag. It never saw it for what it was. And now we're at a point where, it's, I mean, this is as bad as... I guess in America, I was four years old, but my father used to tell me stories about the riots um, in the Bay Area in Oakland growing up, and, and uh, Martin Luther King being shot the same year. And I mean, the parallels are crazy. Like, everybody was looking toward the launch yesterday, SpaceX and all that, and it was, it was amazing. But it, it camouflaged the, what really happened in America, which was, we're falling apart in many ways. And it's sad and it's wrong. And it's, I don't know. Bruce, you've been around longer than both of us. Weigh in just for a minute. I mean, the whole thing is just- That was fine. It, Thank you. Back to you, Monica. No, <laughs> I remember the
0: Rodney King riots in 1992. Okay. I was actually in Spain at the time, but I remember watching it on CNN International. And then a couple of days later, I remember, you know, Rodney King famously said, hey, can't we all just get along? I mean, that right. was 28. 28- years ago, you know, apparently, you know, I think most of us do, but too many of us don't. And the recklessness that that took place in Minneapolis and just the the sickening spectacle down in Georgia with Ahmad Arbery. I mean I'm watching it from a safe distance out here in suburbia, but it still hurts my heart because we're all, you know, I mean, you know, everyone talks about race,
1: race, race. How about the human race? You know, aren't we all part of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. I think nobody likes to see, I mean, it's heartbreaking uh, when a, uh, when an African-American store owner who puts all his heart and soul into a business for 30 years is getting looted by the young black men and he's, and he doesn't understand it. And, you know, there's, there's probably a guilt level on their part because they just realized whose store they, lo- they looted. Nonetheless, white, black, whatever It's like. It, you know, this is where we are in America. Mm -hmm. And not everybody's a protester. Some people are there uh, just because things are free and they're in a desperate situation and that's how they feel about life. But I just, I don't know. My, 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 my my heart, my problem is this as, um, and as a white person, I'll be honest, it was hard for me to, when, when Greg Popovich started talking about white privilege and, you know, we, we all have this and, And it really bothered me at first because, uh, you know, Monica, For, like, if you had a tough life at all, you don't think of yourself as being privileged. Mm -hmm. And then it's not until you realize it's not about you. It's a systemic thing. Mm -hmm. And it's like privileges being on a cab, being on the corner and me dressed up like one of my best friends, Sean Powell, who happens to be black, and the cab passes him up and stops for me. Like and that's white privilege. And and go, you know, getting uh, you know, walking into a restaurant and getting a lousy table, but never in my own head going, did they give me that table because I'm black and my wife like did they i I never thought that in my life. That's white privilege, things that you don't even think about. And here's one of the things that I said um on Facebook was part of white privilege I never thought about was um somebody told me this once, but I really thought about this time is. Anytime a person of uh, Caucasian ancestry does something st- like evil, crazy, what is it, uh, Timothy McVeigh blowing up the Oklahoma City bombing, um, the, the awful young man in, in South Carolina who killed, a, a, you know, a racial killing of nine black parishioners on a, on a Bible study night, um, it doesn't matter, anything, you know, anything old, anything, the Unabomber, at no point is why am I as a white person? Am I going? Oh no! Oh oh gosh! He's he's white. He's white. They're going to think worse of us. No, we look at the TV and we go, "Damn, that's awful. That's a. That's so awful. That's a tragic per. That's tragedy and that's evil. And that we have to move past that. But if you're a person of color, and somebody does something in this world, whether it's John Muhammad the sniper on nine eleven and his stepson. <laughs> People of color look at it and they go, oh, shit, it's a brother. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at us in a way like until me, Bruce and people that look like us start um, internalizing that and going, you know, this person is, is, is of our race. He, he is a bad example for us, or at least acknowledging that, um, that he's not just another person. He's a person that looks like us. And we, we start being as outraged as the people that it affects. We're not gonna, there's not going to be change. There's mm-hmm. not going to be change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just thinking about it. Uh, to me, that's another white privilege thing that I never thought about. Ah, uh, You know, God. people don't associate Bruce and I with color and our race. Like we, we don't have color association with other white people that do stupid things. And, um, and people of color in this country, when someone Hispanic does something, oh my
2: God, everybody and their mom. Um, that's that is loaded on so many levels. For me as a Black person, for me as a woman, um, the conversation about privilege, I mean, it's 400 years of privilege, right? When you talk about systemic racism, it is 400 years of privilege. It is deep-rooted and ingrained in our country. And on some level, it is the American way to pull yourself up, by your bootstraps and achieve. So why should you ever stop and say, why did I get this cab and this person didn't? Because as an American, it's because you've worked hard and you were in the right place and timing was just so for you. So there are so many levels that white folks have to get past to even begin to consider that there are some things that inherently are given to you or you are given the benefit of the doubt based on your skin color. Um, I think for us, working in the sports space, this... It's such a unique time because we don't have sports to distract us. There is no stick-to-sports narrative being hurled at athletes as they step out on the court, or, or what, what, what month is it, May, or they're, as they're playing tennis. This is front-facing. This is the thing that is live and happening right now and affecting so many. And I was texting with one of my homegirls before we hopped on. She went down to the protest at the White House. And she did mm. say one of the things that she was most proud of is how diverse the crowds were. Um, finally, I think folks like yourself are starting to hear it. Um I think there are conversations starting to be had. I credit my my colleagues as millennials and gen z in particular, they're thinking about it in a way that our country has not thought about it. But I still think it's those things that sound in name that still add into the way black folks are viewed, and, viewed in this country. This year, you guys know part of what I did this year was ESPN and I heard a sports talk radio host say of the LSU football team, he was doing an interview with a Clemson DB and he asked them how they were going to go and defend those frisbee catching dogs that LSU has. Talk with my homegirls, talk with one of my homegirls who covers football in Clemson, white chick. She's like, they say that all the time in the South, right? Like, she's like, I know I hate it, but they say it in the South. We kind of let it go. But to me, it jarred me. And so even though this is the lens of sports in some kind of way, I know this host, he seems like a great dude. I would not chalk him up as a racist. Some kind of way that was meant to be a compliment. It's still this idea that blackness is something other than human that it seeps in in ways that I don't even know those that are not truly conscious and fully woke, to use that phrase, are even aware of. So when you see an officer who can leave his knee on a man's neck for nine minutes, there's no way that he's looking at him as a human that is equal. I I can't blame him what he's heard in the sports space, but I can certainly blame what he's heard through society that would empower him to think that someone is less than. And so the conversation about privilege, we have to look at that on so many levels. And Maria Taylor did a great job I'm talking about the same energy that fans bring in supportive players on the floor. The NBA, 90 percent black. You should be bringing that same energy toward justice. And I love the line that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had in his op-ed in the L.A. Times that instead Tremendous. of rushing to judgment, let's rush to justice. And it, we can't do it by ourselves. Mike and Bruce, you guys know that. That's the part that's so exhausting. Like we need allies who are sincere, that are willing to pull up and take mm-hmm. some of this heat.
1: Yeah. I love that. Uh, I cut you off a little bit, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in an LA times article said, we don't need uh rush to judgment. We need a rush to judge the uh, justice. And that's so I, and somewhere else, I, I don't know who said it. Uh, but there was a, there was a quote, like when people celebrate black lives, like black culture we will be a much better society. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's so true. I mean, it, it co- I go back to that old Spike Lee movie, where um, where where Mookie, the Spike Lee character, is talking to uh, uh, John Turturro, and he's going, "But but you like Prince? That's different. He's not a." And, and but you like Michael Jackson? That's different. He's a great dancer. He's not a like. Wait a minute. Like that. That's yeah. black. Co- you love black culture and what they can give, but you won't look at them as human beings. That to me was like a, uh, it was a seminal moment in that movie. And I thought to myself, God, that's that's how so many people think. Bruce, um, being part of the White Devils, uh, what would you say for yourself?
0: (laughs) One of the things that I really feel that is so negative in our society, and everybody's guilty of this in some way. I mean, you know, so I'm not singling anybody out here. I call it self-Balkanization. We Mm. tend, we have a tendency to sort of, go into our little group where we feel comfortable and we hear the little echo chamber, we reinforce each other. But yeah. to me, I've always been so like not that person. I've always wanted to be with people that were different than me because,
2: first of because all. Of your privilege, Bruce, I love you, but that's privilege right there. Tell I me, need- tell me around yeah. people that look like me. I need them to reaffirm me because when I step into you alls space, I'm not not—I'm not considered an equal. I have to go to people that look like me to understand what it is to exist in this society, to be looked at and to be assumed that you are less than, That's some kind of way you ended up in your own because of affirmative action. For me to show up wearing heels, you guys know I show up in a room six, two, short hair, full of opinions, and to still question whether those people who look like you guys who put me in that position are wondering whether or not I belong, Despite how hard I work, the, the idea, I need self-organization because I need to be affirmed. When I step into those spaces, those people are looking for ways to take me down as opposed to lift me up. And that's exactly what we've seen played out over and over when it comes to these police officers who are in positions of power and not held accountable. So I hear well, you and I agree in a utopian society, we would all want to learn from one another. And as much as I believe that I can learn from you and appreciate you guys, I still need to go home because home knows what it is to exist in a society that does not celebrate me for who I am.
0: Listen, I, 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 I agree with that. I I do believe that there is a place for us to be in our own individual groups, but if we don't, if we don't, you know, if we're not willing to accept other folks and their opinions or whatever, I think the problem doesn't really get better. And I mean, I, I hear the emotion in your voice and I mean, and I hear the pain and, and, and it's, it, it it just makes me sad, but I mean, I feel it's a privilege for me to be friends with you. And I learn a lot from talking to you. So I mean, I need to be around Monica McNutt. I need to be around friends that are different yeah, but, from I, me. Because otherwise say, I'm just I'm just, you know, in an echo chamber. Yeah, she's not saying but, I mean you, I
1: but Bruce, she's not I think what she's saying is like um it, it's easier for me and you to, to have those kind of groups and be accepted by different groups than it is for her to go there and thank you for that monica that got me right in the heart because um yeah i I don't know i just feel like it's my show but um i I, sometimes i I remember i wrote a a column once about how i didn't you know i don't care anybody can say the n-word they want but i don't like it and people were like we don't care if you don't like it but i was like well I, i don't want my son to say it and i don't want my son to hear it and but you know i I respect every person of African American ancestry that that feels the need to use it and flip the script and be and and use it how they you know if you want to change a slur up that's up to you I but but the more and more I look at it I like like it was one of those things where I could have wrote a column about asking what someone thought about that who happened to be African American I mean I guess I would just ask to Monica like people are asking this all around the country but but like you know we all want to be allies mm-hmm. and we all have our own biases and prejudices. We, we don't even see like they, they talk about, um, what do you call it? Unconscious bias. I'm sure. I like, I like to think of myself as enlightened. I'm, I am in a way, but in a lot of ways I probably have some unconscious bias. I don't even see, I guess I would ask you Monica, like, what what's the best thing people can do that look like us that that could help uh, people of color, like they, they could, or they could erase some of this stuff, or at least, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know what to say, but I, um, you know, do we have to be as angry? Do we have to be as, do we, do we have to have to take, be as convicted and be, be as passionate for this, something to change? Because I'm, I'm all for it. I just want to, like, I want to guide map a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. We can all all say about how, you know, this is, this is what society is. I want to affect some change at some point, you know, and and I'll be honest, politically, I, if, if you told me right now, I I don't know as much about Joe Biden as I probably should, but just to get Trump out of there, I, I would do whatever I could the next five, six months. Same. Does that, does that disqualify us from getting an endorsement or uh, selling this, (laughs) selling the station the property? (laughs) We're not in this right. for the, we're not that. in this for the money. We're in this for
0: the social good.
1: No, no, but if, if if that little segment there disqualifies me from
2: getting paid, screw it, take it out. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Go ahead, Monica. Um, Mike, that's yeah, what can we do? It's it's a loaded question and and I appreciate you asking, but it's also a question I ask myself. I mean, personally yeah. I, if I lived alone, I probably would have gone down to the protest today, but my dad is 64 and I live in my parents' house. And if I wipe him out, I would be no good to nobody. Um, mm. So I'm home. But when I step out of my house, I do my best to represent Black folks in the way that I want them to be viewed and to um, show competence, ability, capability, all that we have to offer beyond the cool things in our culture, like you mentioned. But I would ask um, allies, One on a basic level, Mike, it's a respect thing, right? Like on a basic level, it is a human decency and respect. It is when you have that thought to cross the street perhaps because there's a group of black kids, Like it is to question why, why do I have that thought? It is to acknowledge that, to grasp hold of it and to put it into place, to have some difficult conversations. But I also think where you have a space in the workplace where you have a chance to be a tangible ally, those are the places where i think we can begin to make differences because if i you know the people that i work for look more like you guys than they look like for me and i i was not privy to the conversations and the upbringings that they had and they may be different from you all um but i think there are more things that white people will talk to white people about than they will have a conversation with me with first if that makes sense so yeah. if you If amongst yourselves, if you're holding one another accountable, and I'm not saying be confrontational, I don't want to be in a workplace where everybody's running things by me, checking is it okay and on the black, you know, black scale of things or whatever. Um, But I think to have honest conversations amongst yourselves and to challenge some of the things, the mindsets that are fostered in your community, because those same mindsets keep us separate. So we don't even get to have, not us literally, but you know what I mean? Like we didn't even get to have that conversation.
1: It's so true. It's so true. The times, how many times, like when I remember a family member um, would drop something, uh, either really racially insensitive or just outright racist, and my aunt wouldn't say anything. And right. she's holding Thanksgiving. I'm like, oh, wait, wait. If that's my house, <laughs> like you, you, you either don't say that or, um, or you don't eat. And right. so that's so, so I think, yeah, we got to get to a place. I mean, I I remember a cab driver once in New York, I got in and he happened to be, it it became like the instant white dude to white dude talk. And it would be like, hey, I bet you didn't expect anybody looking like me to pick you up, did you? And then he started, and I'm like, at first I gave him that, and then two more comments later, something about how an Arab person looked, and I just said, hey, drop me off. I don't, you know, that's not me, that's not who I am. And so, so I think you're right. We have to, you know what kills me, Bruce, and this is like more than a maybe because we work in a sports environment and maybe because I've been blessed and fortunate enough to be in a lot of NBA locker rooms and the NBA is 80% African-American. And I've never felt um, maybe growing up in Hawaii. I, I just never felt like um, uh, whatever, like if three people were walking down the street, <laughs> whether they're white or black, if they look like they are going to hurt me, I might want to go, but I don't care what they look like. You know, I just, but I can't say that I can't, I don't see race. Everybody sees race, and if you don't see race, then you're almost dismissing a person who who does work their ass off like you to get where you are, Monica. And so, so I can't say that. But but I will say that because me and Bruce work in the NBA, we have the, like we're almost sheltered a little bit from um, real world uh, how races deal with each other in the workplace. And I think in some ways we've been. We've been blessed because, you know, it's you have to work amongst people of all colors in the NBA. And it's great. And I love it. It's a cosmopolitan league for many in many ways. But what kills me is I don't know how to say it, but someone said it on CNN the other night. And it was really smart. And it it what kills me more than anything. It hurts me. in My heart is when when people who look like us, Bruce, they um, they weaponize their fear of black people uh, which is uncalled for and unfounded they weaponize it against them that the fear becomes the reason a guy holds a, a somebody's knee on his neck for that long the fear becomes like i don't know how why we why why we became so afraid of black people in this society um and i'm talking about white people in general bruce help me out I think those of us who are part of the
0: sports world, particularly those of us who are so, you know, love the game of basketball so much, I think we have a a better perspective on a lot of things because we embrace everybody who's in our basketball family. Now again, it's true. I mean, look, people look different, and there's, you know things that you, you know the unconscious bias thing is real. There's no doubt about it. I've had diversity training and, and have, have had that have examined that issue a lot. But I feel that those of us in the basketball world, I think we, we see it a little bit less because we embrace the people in our world, whoever they may be. And that, I think, puts us in a little Mm. bit better position than maybe somebody who isn't a part of that world. But we're, you know, nobody's perfect and we all got our things. Um, And I'd be,
2: yeah, I mean, right? Yeah, I think you're right, Bruce. I mean, sports is very clear goals. It's very clear who's on your team. You know, there's there's less ambiguity in that space. Um, And we're all united by loving the game, whether it's your job or you're a player or whatever you love the game, you're trying to win the game. And I think that absolves a bunch of otherwise differences that could creep up and cause some confusion. Uh, I wish the world would take more of the sports playbook. Unfortunately, it is not that simple. But to go back to your original question, Mike, I mean, this thing is historic. Like this thing is history. I mean, back to slavery and then experimenting on Black folks and questioning what the pain tolerance is and this, that, and other. Now, And I can't say that every Black person in history has been an upstanding citizen, never, never earning themselves time in jail. That's not the case. So some of those stereotypes, there is an inkling of truth to them. But if we go deeper into why the breaches are being greatly exposed by this pandemic, when you look at the economic disparities, the lack of resources that communities of color, Black people in particular, are suffering from in this country. So I understand how we got here. It's almost There's almost two to one coronavirus deaths in America. That to
1: me is crazy. Uh, My my neighbor died. We have three older Black families on my my cul-de-sac that bought into the suburb I live in um, in the 70s. And one of them died. He was like a bat. I'll tell you about him at some point. Uh, He's a basketball legend. He helped get Elgin Baylor to the College of Idaho. His name was Warren Williams, Sr. And he died of the COVID virus at a nursing home. He was suffering from Alzheimer's. And, you know, like... He was he was fortunate because he was in a he was a lockdown. Nobody thought anybody would get it in there because it was it's like one of these swanky old folks' homes. He still got it. He died. It, it, it amazes me how many people of color um, are you know are, are affected by this, and
2: and all the people who are saying let's open up America. Well, let's be honest. What color are they? And they are, they don't want America open so they can go back to work. They want America open so that they can be served. Right again. Yeah. Back to this conversation about privilege. But so much of this is historic. And there's no part of an American history textbook, maybe not no part, but there's a very few pages of an American history textbook that acknowledge slavery, segregation, the civil rights movement beyond Martin Luther King Jr. And his daughter put out a tweet this week that has stuck with me. It, has, it just stung me in my heart. She basically said, do not confuse who my father was to America. He was hated. He was voted the most hated man in America at one point for the work that he's doing. So don't try to take his quotes and glorify the civil rights movement without understanding the disruption that he caused. And now we respect that work. But in theory, that's exactly what's happening. Now, unfortunately, I'm not condoning looting and burning and all that good stuff, but the disruption is necessary because we all saw it. Colin Kaepernick peace, that didn't work. We had issues with that too.
1: He lost his career for three years. The The uh, head of communications, former communications, Joe Lockhart, now with CNN, admitted that this was what it was about. Once he did that, his NFL career was essentially over. For an NFL, former NFL communications person to admit that, he must have not signed an NDA, Bruce.
2: We talked about tangible allies, right? We talked about tangible allies. He knew that, he knew that. And we have plenty of reporters, smart folks that work in the media suggesting that. We couldn't quite prove it. I'm not telling this man to give up his job. But none of those owners checked one or not. No. Uh, are we way too gone on the white privilege scale? But you know what I mean? These are conversations yeah, that right. I would never be privileged to. But well, it's that,
1: that's a, that's a great it's a great point. If Joe Lockhart really wanted to do society a service, he would have had the courage and the guts to say something at the time. Even if he did it, you know, n- not to lose his job, but I'm, I'm you know, I'm a high ranking NBA uh, NFL official I'm going to tell you that this guy's not going to work again and it's going to come from the NFL office and I'm going to say it and so so he wouldn't you know the guy wouldn't do that because he was too worried about his job now now yep. after Colin Kaepernick's lost his career after you know we uh, we've been around this ridiculous thing for forever saying oh he's too old he wants a starting job you know like it's all bullshit it's all
2: bullshit it's gonna cost that's the that's the part that I think Even white America that is getting on board, the parts of it, it's going to cost. We admire him now. Michael Max, we admire those folks now. But it's going to cost. Like It's it's literally costing lives out of people's bodies right now in the Black community. It's going to cost somebody that doesn't look like me to put their neck on the line so that the truth can be heard. It's going to cost. Mm. Cost Muhammad
0: Ali. Cost him big time. Cost, you
1: know, John Carlos, Tommy Smith. Cost them big time. I was watching Don Lemon on CNN last night and he was, uh, he was really going off on um, Black Hollywood and like, where are you? Where is this person? Where's that person? Where's that person? And all I kept thinking was, you know, fine for you to call them out. Good, good and well. I know they don't want to lose endorsement of money or a movie, but like, where's white Hollywood? (laughs) Where where are the white, like when I, when I saw Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James and those guys get up at the ESPYs that year and talk about that, all I kept thinking was, you know how much more powerful this would be if Aaron Rodgers or Mm -hmm. Tom Brady got up with them? And Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden people are like, oh wait, this isn't a a black athlete. This isn't a black militant thing. This is a, this is a public thing. This is a, you know, we're not talking about fixing, Mm -hmm. um, uh we're not talking about helping out another race, we're talking about, like you said, Bruce, helping out the human race. Yeah. I mean, you know, like, yeah. Let's get behind, the shit. let's get behind the shit before um it's all co-opted by everybody else, and everybody thinks it's um it, it's like a niche thing, you know. It's like a niche thing. God, you know, God bless America. If there were like five hockey players that were white and they stood up for this, and you know, they'd probably be ostracized by some of their people in their own locker room, but screw it, it's like Braden Holtby wouldn't go to see, wouldn't go to the Trump White House because yep, right. he believed in LBGTQ people and he knows that the president doesn't. And so so until you have that kind of courage and that kind of conviction, you're right. Nothing's going to change. I, mean, I what, mean, we have, people that look like us, Bruce, have to, sh- have to do more and have to, show. we have to be as outraged because if we're not outraged, stuff ain't going to change. I'm
0: very proud of the fact that people like Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr are those guys that mm. you're talking about right now. But in addition, you know, there's LeBron James, there's Jalen Brown. There are guys, yeah. you know, there are, there is more leadership. There's more societal leadership coming from the world of basketball. Okay. That I'm seeing pretty much anywhere. And yes, I mean, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, interesting that they both come from that San Antonio system, which is one of the most progressive uh, forward thinking systems. That's the same system that that brought you David Robinson of the Carver School, putting his money where his mouth is. Um, you know, mm. some of the some of the guys, and I've been friends with a number of guys from the Spurs because I've worked with them over the years. Avery Johnson, Sean Elliott, Bruce Bowen, these are like the finest human beings, all with great leadership qualities. And Steve Kerr and Greg Popovich, I mean, isn't it interesting that they all seem to kind of have sprung forth from this organization? Yeah. But, you know, shout out to LeBron and also to Jalen Brown, a young guy who drove 15 hours from Boston to be a part of a peaceful protest in Atlanta. He grew up in Marietta, which is right outside of Atlanta. I mean, he is. But I've known this about Jalen Brown for a while. This guy truly is a remarkable young guy
1: with a moral compass pointing right to that North Star. Um, Bruce, you would say that about any Celtic, black or white. So we're not going to, we're going to discount that. Well, but anyway, Bill Russell, right. Bill Russell, right. Well, oh, okay. Bill Russell. All right. But you would say, you would say that about jungle, Jim Laskatov, it doesn't matter. No.
2: Go ahead. you're killing me, Mike. Um, so I, I love all that, Bruce. And again, I think this is something it's got, I appreciate folks who are household names. LeBron, Steve Kerr, Popovich—I oh. love that, and we need that. But this is Joe in accounting, or Joe at the bank, who affects who gets a mortgage and and can afford to move into what neighborhoods. Who is a fan of the Celtics, perhaps, but has not been challenged on his misconceptions. Um, this is this is everyday folks, and I am so proud of Jalen Brown. I think he's fantastic, and I'm not going to. Assess whether anyone should or shouldn't be protesting. I myself, COVID kept me away, but this is Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the active, tangible ally in hand, challenging your beliefs so that we can affect change. I mean, on a base level, you got to vote. Obviously, you got to you know participate in the census. You have to do those things that are required of citizens to affect change. But just in terms of slowly tilling the mindset, it's it's, it's those everyday conversations. It's me having conversations with my homegirl about this slogan that was supposed to be a compliment, but hey, as your friend, please don't repeat that. Like, that's not okay. That's not a compliment. And hopefully, you know, that trickles back to Clemson as she's on her radio show. But it is a willingness to I have- to,
1: Wait, homegirl, get, name her. It's okay. We, we oh, my know. homegirl is
2: Kelly Gramlich. She, that's my girl. She does a fantastic I mean. job, The Roar, alongside Colorado, in Clemson territory. And she did not say it, but I had to check with her on where it came from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think we have so many misconceptions we have. I, I think you're right that we have to get this has to be a base thing. It has to come. It has to come from somewhere else. Um, I also I also feel like all these other factions that get involved and say, well, if you support this person, you're anti police mm-hmm. or you're this like, no, no, no. You're pro human. <laughs> you're pro human rights. That's what's wrong with that. Yep. You're, you're not anti-police. You're not anything. You know, it's like, I just, that's the part that that kills me more than anything is, is this, this thought that somehow we're one of the, you pick a team here. Oh, oh they're going to call us all white devils. Um, you can't be on that side. Like, no, not everybody's a white devil. There, there, there are some, we need to get rid of them. But but by and large, you know, in my experience, there are more good people than bad people in this world. And if we could get together and realize that, we could stamp out some of the others. I don't yep. understand how we, I just don't understand how we're not more outraged by things. Um, maybe it's because, like you said, Bruce, we're all in our own little bubbles and we, we watch it from afar. Like, like a lot of the things we're seeing on TV now, it's like it's, it's, it's happening in Libya as much as it is uh, Minnesota or LA. I mean, that is stuff in LA. This is okay. The very sick part. I'm going to, this is my one confession. When they were looting that Adidas store, I was sick. I was sick thinking just once, do they have a size 15 or 14? Like, isn't that awful, Bruce?
0: Yeah. <laughs> not that I, mean, I would
1: have yeah. got in there and taken it. No, you'd, be, you'd be out of a pair and they didn't fit them. I might've, I don't know. I've no, you'd be
0: no, you'd be going to the Adidas website saying, Oh, you know, I lost my receipt. Can I exchange this for the right size?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite privileged. A black person could never do that. I we lost the do. receipt. I swear to God,
0: I lost yeah. the receipt and I lost um, the box too. Yeah.
2: But
1: can I return these?
0: Yeah, we're, that might be like joking.
2: those. Go ahead, Mike. You're joking, but like Mike, you're absolutely right. No, like you're right. you know what I'm saying? A black person pulls up, no, sir. Like, no, please take yeah, those. Up. No, please. please. We, we, we,
1: we went we we um I was driving um we, we when I was with the undefeated and the whole car is all my African American colleagues and we're doing something at and, um North Carolina AT ATT no A&T, wait, North Carolina mm-hmm.
2: yeah
1: North Carolina AT and Obama's doing a little thing down there with ESPN and we're all excited and I'm driving and there's this huge you know presidential security block like and everybody in the car was like, oh, we ain't getting through this. We ain't going to go, oh oh, 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 D.W.W. driving while white. Sure enough, Bruce. They let me through in 30 seconds. They were all like, god damn, he did it. So, yeah, because I was white.
2: Uh, you
0: know, you know, as this <laughs> pandemic starts to hopefully subside soon, this country is in a world of hurt right now, economically, yeah. socially. We need our sports, we need our sports lessons to come through in a wide way more than ever. We got so much work to do and we got so much, so many things to fix. I hope, and Monica, you said it a few minutes ago, I hope society at large can take some of these lessons that we all learn from sports, because if we don't, if we don't, then I fear for the society that my kids and hopefully future grandkids are going to be inheriting from us. I mean. We got to, we got to have teamwork.
2: Yeah. We don't have to
0: love each other, but we have to respect each other and love would be
2: good too. There have been moments um, that make me hopeful about the future. I mean, I think the sheer diversity of these crowds protesting is something that I don't know that I've seen. So I'm glad to see that change. Rex Chapman put out a tweet today. um, The Genesee County Sheriff in Flint, Michigan, Chris Swanson, had a fantastic video uh where basically he told the crowd he's a white share um what is his title white yeah white share um and he takes off his helmet puts down his baton and is talking to the crowd and it ends and ends with him marching with the crowd but that and that is the active ally brianna turner minnesota lynx uh i believe she's going into her second year played at you played at notre dame excuse me she had a beautiful thread today on twitter both of her parents are law enforcement. And so she talked about not not hating police at all, but expecting them to be held accountable, accountable, but also fearing for her parents in uniform and out of uniform. So this idea that only one thing can be true about us as humans is such a farce. I can appreciate law enforcement that do their job right. I can want to see black people not be killed for just existing. I can do that, too. Um, Colin Kaepernick could protest for the racial disparities in our country and still have the utmost respect for the military. This idea that we can only be one thing is everything that is not human.
1: Well did you
0: hear, did you hear the, the mayor of Atlanta on Friday night, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms, when CNN Center was under siege? And, and the speech that she made, I thought to myself, Biden, there's your VP right there.
2: You know what? Uh. I think Keisha Lance Bottoms has been terrific. And I hate to say this. America is not ready for a black woman as a vice president as much you as think I think so, No, Mike, not, a, not even close. Like,
1: I, no. Uh-uh. So you were, so, you, so you're, you're basically like, if they were consulting you uh, with, at the democratic national, like you were part of the DNC, you'd look like, Hey, it's a great idea. But if you want to make sure that we get Trump out of there, uh, <laughs> do not, do not bring in a black woman.
2: Sadly. That's, that's so depressing, but you might be right. It isn't, it, but my, but Mike, from, and you said it earlier, Mike, I want our current president out so badly that if we got to wait, we got to wait. I just, I don't see where America is ready. Yeah. The idea that in the midst of these protests, it turns into make America great again, night as well. Uh, and we've got this, we've got our Oval Office sending again those dog whistles. And this time a very blatant dog whistle. It's not even dog
1: whistle. It's like a foghorn.
2: Exactly. Like you're going to literally quote a man from the sixties in George Wallace, who was a known break, like literally for, I will admit that when he was elected, I personally was crushed and very disappointed in our society. But now that I'm fully aware and awoke in terms of the dynamics, I just don't think that we're ready. Even people that mean well and would want to see him out. I don't think that there's enough confidence in black women.
1: Wow. Bruce, you hear that? Your, um, your actual, um, Candidate is done. Uh, Monica just booted her out. Uh, I don't know who you pick. Who do you pick if you're Biden? I, I know it's far afield of, uh, of Pure Hoops Media, but I don't even know who you, you know. I, I mean, I, I don't want A.B. Klobuchar. I don't know what it is. She's, uh, something about well, her. she's
0: Well, she's, she's got some baggage that we've learned about in the last couple of days, doesn't she? Yeah. yeah. And that she oh, had yeah. a chance to punish this cop, this Derek, oh, yeah, whatever yeah. his name is.
1: What am I thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she
0: yeah. she
2: passed. That's another you. thing. Like that, that's another thing. I, that's another thing yeah, I do appreciate in this conversation is the conversation on how to be allies, right? Like, yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's got to start in the grass level, y'all. And I apologize for jumping on you, Bruce, but I guess that was my little boiling over moment. Um, no, be- I, you know, I liked it because it was you, and it it was just yeah, it was it was heartfelt.
1: It got me right in the. I like when we can do those. When we can be real in these moments, that means more to me than anything else we could talk about LeBron versus Michael. Yeah. You know? So thank you. Do you think the NBA is coming back? <laughs> oh, yeah. Do I think the NBA is coming back? Uh, I wanted to. I say no. And this is the reason why I say no. I don't think Adam Silver will put people on the court, whether it's a sequestered area in Disney world in Orlando, whether it's in another pl- city, I don't think you'll put people on the court while Americans are still dying from this virus by the hundreds, two hundreds a day. I just don't think, I, th- I don't think he's tone deaf. He's not tone deaf like that. I think other leagues would. I think this season is done and I think we move on to next season, but that's just me. Bruce.
2: Wow. wow Mike,
1: um,
0: I, you know, I don't know. I just, you know, from, from, from my own selfish perspective, I would love to have something to take my mind off of all the depressing news in the world right now. But at the same time, you know, this, these people are not there for my pleasure. I mean, they got lives, they got families and they have careers and, they have to do what's right for them. And and one of the good things about Adam Silver, he he engages with Michelle Roberts. They've put together a committee of players. They're getting input from all the right people. And I have every confidence that they're going to make the proper decision. May not be the one that I personally want to see, but I, just because I want it doesn't make it the right decision.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of think money's going to trump all and we're going to get a bubble and the owners are going to be... Happy. And I also think the fact that our household names and players, LeBron, Chris Paul, etc., all want to play. I think I, I agree with you, Mike, on whether it is all ethical, but I think we are going to end up playing something. Uh, I, you know, more power to them if they find a way and it
1: becomes a, as Bruce said, a diversion from real life in America, which has just been depressing lately. I, more power to them. I just don't know. So you're saying we're going to get a bubble, meaning, uh, someplace where everybody's tested. Uh, the the people that go in are essentially cameramen and, and a very light support staff, and you don't have fans, but you do play the season out to make sure that the network people are taken care of and you, you you know, fulfill all your commitments on the TV contract.
2: Crown a champ, too, yeah. Crown a champ,
1: yeah, crown a champion. Well, Monica's that's definitely- dad Monica's dad wants Milwaukee. <laughs> Does he? <laughs>
0: Milwaukee. Yes. <laughs> Pops, Pops wants Milwaukee. His favorite player is the Greek
1: Freak. Ooh, yeah. Let's onto the Kumpo. I a part of me would love to see. I mean, if there was in Milwaukee Lakers series, even Clippers, but Milwaukee Lakers, like it's the Empire. It's the evil Empire. LeBron James, uh, Anthony Davis, all everything that LA is against the little small market and the Greek Freak. Oh, people would love Milwaukee to take that series. Me, however, I will take LeBron. LeBron and six. You and Bruce. Well, yeah. I'm I'm a I'm a big LeBron fan, but I've said this before.
0: If that matchup were to take place, Milwaukee against the Lakers, they got to change the Larry O'Brien trophy, and this is a good diversity play here. Change the Larry O'Brien trophy to the Kareem Abdul Jabbar trophy, since he is the one man who's won championships with both of those franchises.
2: You know. Uh, Give it up for Kareem. I think that that I would be all for that. But it's funny enough, detail was on TV today, and Kobe, may God rest his soul, was going through Milwaukee versus Boston in ways that Giannis could be tighter on the coming off of screen, so that he would be in positions to score in the paint. If we got that series, I I just oh man, if the Lakers defend Milwaukee the same way the Boston did, mm, I don't know. We just talked basketball.
1: We're coming back. We're on our way back. Yeah, we did it. (laughs) Monica, you brought us back. Thank you. Thank you. We we fixed the world and then we picked the NBA (laughs) finalists. Oh my God. Well, this this, this has been tremendous. I, you know, I can't uh, thank you enough Monica for coming on and and being who you are, Bruce. um, Thank you. Thank you for being America's punching bag today. This was good. Um and uh and you th- you had some great thoughts. Uh I just like that we talk about this, you know, like my my whole thing if we don't if, if we don't talk, we don't put it out on the table, then it's the biggest elephant in the room there is. And I'm glad we could talk about all this. I love
0: both of you guys and I'm grateful for both of your friendships.
1: And it's such a treat for me to be able
0: to talk to you and work with you guys all the time. And I truly, truly mean this. Bless both of you. Oh, I, I appreciate you,
2: as you know. Keep up the good fight. That was dope.
1: Thanks to Monica McNutt from Buckets, Boards & Blocks for joining us today. Bruce, thank you for your insight. Thanks also to the guy who puts this together, Ben Wolfen. Please check out all of our Pure Hoops media shows. Each Tuesday, we've got Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams, where they've got college basketball covered. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron has a new show every Wednesday. And of course, Bucket Sports and Blocks with Monica McNutt is here each Thursday. Monica, you got a huge guest this week. This
2: week, Scott Burrell is joining us. We're going to talk about bullying at the hands of Michael Jordan, those championships he's <laughs> won, and what it's like recruiting in this climate.
1: Ah, uh, and Friday, of course, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. BJ, member of the first three bulls championship teams, and his MJ stories are amazing. If you've enjoyed everything we do here. Um, Go back and check out all of our shows, they're free. And please continue to honor your fellow citizens by wearing your mask in public, washing your hands and maintaining physical distancing when you venture outside. Treat everyone right, because we're all in this together. And man, pray for the safety of our healthcare professionals, other essential workers and each other, especially after this week. Stay safe everyone, and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Mike Wise Show. Peace.
2: The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of pure hoops media.